Jungle Podcast is raw, it's real, it has zero gimmicks, zero bullshit, and absolutely zero fucks to give. Welcome to the Iron Jungle. This is real, no bullshit, no holds barred, wide fucking open podcast. We've been at this far too long to be fucking around. This is the jungle. Where anything goes, no holds barred. We're going to be talking about the real shit. How to succeed. In a world where you have goals, but there's so much misinformation and bullshit trying to sell you something. This is the informative podcast. And there's no hope behind the jungle. The question is, are you ready? Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to the jungle, baby. Welcome to the iron jungle. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back inside the iron jungle podcast. It's your Ryan Buckeye, along with the vanilla gorilla, Drew Peters. Uh, we are going to talk today, not nutrition for once, even though we've been talking a lot of nutrition and supplementation lately, but training regimen, training intensity, how to train appropriately inside uh, the, the Iron Jungle, I guess you could call it, um, with a guy who I've trained with several times now. He trains super high intensity, which is awesome, um, but this is how every work, every workout should be high intense training, not just when you're with a lifting partner, and I think um, we're going to talk today a little bit about like being intrinsically motivated, how to get into the gym and, and do shit correctly. Because, Drew, you and I have seen far too many times people go into the gym, they go through the motions, they go home, they check it off the list, and they call it a day. Yeah. Um, that's a combination of things. Whether A, they're A, they're not as motivated as they think they are. B, they don't really have a set plan. You kind of go up and you throw shit against the wall until it sticks. Uh, you kind of don't know what to do to begin with. It could be a combination of things. But with that being said, I know we have a couple of fun, I guess, key points to touch on this episode. So I'll let you kick it off, my man. Let me ask you a question first, because I think a lot of people, when they go to the gym, they're following maybe a, an ebook they downloaded from from a fitness influencer celebrity. Maybe they have a coach. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're doing it themselves. But what I what I think the what I think is lost or what has been lost, and, I, and I've done this in the past, and I actually am – I need to do get back to this too, is but keeping track of your lifts, keeping track of your progress. And I think a good tip is, even though I'm, I'm speaking outside the other side of my mouth because I'm not doing it currently, is like keep a log, like an old-school journal. Write down what lifts you're doing, how many reps, what the weight was because really to progress and to get better, you need to add more weights or add more reps or, or decrease rest periods between stuff. And I think – like I said, we go to the gym, we go through the motions. Um, I know, Drew, you and I have trained, and we don't necessarily keep track of what we're doing. We kind of just push each other. But have you traditionally, historically kept track of your stuff? Uh, quite honestly, no. I haven't really tracked my lift since high school. Sure. And that's because we required doing a notebook. I mean, I've been doing this long enough now where I kind of have a general idea of what I was doing the previous week. But also, mind you, for you and myself, I'm not a power lifter. I'm not worried about how much weight I can lift. I'm worried about adequately stimulating the muscle. And I mean, obviously, you know, you kind of know what some of your PRs are, but at the same time, like, you know, there's a combination of things. It's not all one set thing. Sometimes I think people with too much in terms of relying on numbers. And a good example of this, it actually is one of the things I picked up um, when I was working as a collegiate strength coach. You see, the thing is, too, if you can write out all of your programming perfectly on paper, you can say, OK, and this week I'm doing this lifts at this many reps with this percentage of my total max so on and so forth. But the thing is, too, is you, you can't account for things that are outliers. Right. So say, OK, in this third week here, I'm going up to 75 or 80 percent of my one RM here. But OK, say the night before you didn't have a good night's sleep or you're going through some personal issues or breaking up a significant other or like, you know, you're going through some other shit. It's going to affect your performance. You mm -hmm. may have things where, okay, my essential nervous system, you know, from doing extra things is kind of taxed, so on and so forth. So, in theory, yes, having things on paper is a great way to track your progress, and I'm not against it. If you want to track your lifts, that's awesome.
awesome. But in general, too, you should know if you're pushing yourself hard enough at the gym. And I know I'm going to get a lot of people you know, saying flack here, like, oh, you need to log this and this, this, this. But one, it, it, it can be a good indicator of progress, too, if you do track it. So I'm not discouraging it. I'm just saying personally that's not what I do. Right, and I, I think personally, like you said, we've been doing this long enough. We kind of, But we also remember what we did last week and if we're going through the same motions, if we need to add weight. Um, but what I found very helpful when I first started lifting is to track it and then put like a level of, of hardness of 1 to 10. That way next week when I go in the gym and I'm doing that same day again, I can A, remember how many sets I did, how many reps I did, what the weight was, and then how did I personally rate it? Did I personally rate it a 6? Because if I rate it a 6, I better fucking increase weight or I better, I better do something. Otherwise, you're, gonna, you're never going to progress. Um, but let's, let's first start talking. Let's, let's dive into, and we're going to jump around this, but like, let's talk about the concept of working sets because I don't think a lot of people understand what a working set is. And here's an example for people listening. If my program calls for four sets of leg extensions at 12 reps, okay, four sets is supposed to be four working sets. What I see people do all the time is their first set, they'll do like 100 pounds, pretty easy. Second set, maybe they'll do 110, 120. Uh, and then finally on the fourth set, that might be considered a working set, but then they stop. They're done after their four sets, and they did one working set out of four. Um, and, and I see people do this all the time, Drew. Yeah. And actually, you're hitting the nail actually perfectly on the head here. You're kind of talking about how I style my training, and this is kind of funny. The first leg day you did with me, the one leg day you've done with me right. about murder you, is we start at Miami Iron. Like, how many sets? Like, ah, let's, let's start working sets in a bit. Right. The key here is I like to do – this is a, a lot of John Meadows is big on this. Yeah. Fantastic person. You haven't seen his programming. Look it up. A lot of good stuff. I train very similar to how he does, and I like a lot of his stuff. Some of it not so much. But, hey, everybody's you know different what they like, what works. But the concept of this is feeder sets. Okay, mm -hmm. so say like the goal here is, okay, all my working sets, I want, and I say working sets, I mean like hard sets, exertion, I'll get that in a second. But for example, if I'm starting out um, my first lift of the day, if I'm say starting with like a dumbbell incline press, okay, if I want four working sets of eight to 10 reps, it'd be like say a good number for that lift right there. I want to do lighter. I mean, I, for that case, I might grab some lighter dumbbells, like say 65, 70s. In that case, do some nice controlled tempo sets, you know, 10 to 12 reps, get loose. The next set, bump it up 10 pounds or so, grab some 80s, 85, same thing, 8 to 10. And then another set, go up to 90s. By that point, it's starting to get a little bit difficult, but it's still not hard. And then on that first working set there, like, okay, depending how you feel on that day, I've been doing this long enough, you can gauge it. Okay, for my first working set of 4 to 10, I've already done three feeder sets to get the muscle loose, get the blood in it, get the movement down, so on and so forth. My first working set be, say, like 110, a second working set at 120, 130, then 140. You don't want to fail on every single set. Mm -hmm. That's not the goal. Uh, the, what I would recommend is, okay, if you're doing four sets of eight to ten, you should be around failure. In that case, saying, oh, eight reps, you know, but you shouldn't be failing. So say like the you get eight pretty, you know, hard, but you get it. Second set eight, but then on that last set, if you were like, okay, I, I I need struggling, I failed, like say the eighth rep, I couldn't do another rep, then that's actually a pretty good amount of exertion and a right. nice appropriate standpoint too. We'll talk about stimulating the muscle rather than moving weight later in the episode. That's kind of a good way to do that. And you mentioned leg extensions. Typically, if that's one thing there too, you want to make sure you have blood in the muscle, get the muscle firing properly, focus on mind-muscle connection. But yeah, I'm not going to hop on a machine, do like, you know, right off the bat, do a heavy set. You know, one, you're not warmed up or loose. Two, like, you know, get the movement pattern. All machines are different. So me, I personally like to feel the machine if I'm using a machine to make sure it's, it's lined up properly, the weight's loaded, you know, how I need it, so on and so forth. The same concept applies, you know, do one or two sets, lighter sets. And, okay, now it's starting to get difficult. Eh, that's probably a good starting point. And kind of gauge from there, you know. Sometimes you kind of have to feel it out. It's a new machine. 
You yeah, know? so if you're, if you're doing the math at home, if your program calls for, say, four working sets of, of eight to ten reps, you're probably actually going to do six to seven sets in total with feeder sets or warm-up sets, however you want to call or whatever you want to call them. But that's, a, uh, that's one thing, too. I think when people are like, you know, I'm, I'm not progressing, it's just, well, that's because you're not necessarily following the guidelines of the program the way it's meant to be laid, the way it was meant to be laid out. And that is the whole concept of working sets. So key point, next time you go into the gym and if your plan calls for three, four sets, make sure that they're hard working sets. And on that last set, to Drew's point, not like you have to go to failure every time, but that eighth rep, if it's eight to ten, should be fucking hard. I mean, you should, have, you should struggle to get it. Um, and even on the sets before that, the eight to ten, like you should be able to do ten pretty you know, tough, but then you might go to nine and you might go to eight. And then that fourth set, that eighth rep, um, not failure, but it should, be, it should be really, really tough. And then you're going to start seeing some progress um, as your muscle adapts to that stimulus placed on it. Um, Drew, what, what, what topic do you want to dive into next? Let's talk about actually stimulating the fucking muscle rather yeah. than just moving weight. Because that's one of the things I think the biggest issues people have is like, oh, yeah, I bench 315, or I can rep the 100-pound dumbbells, or I can squat this. But then you see people performing these lifts and like, all right, no wonder you look like you're built like fucking connects because you're just moving weight right now. And I'm talking strictly from if you're looking for a muscle growth standpoint or even for looking for true strength gains. The key is, and I say this all the time, you need to work the muscle, not just move the weight. You see your body's built for efficiency. Right. It's it's efficient. It likes to have you know elastic energy, so on and so forth. The good example of this would be something like, say, calf raises. Okay? Most times you see people doing calf raises, they're just bouncing off the calcaneal tendon. They're doing this herky-jerky motion. The calf is designed to be an efficient muscle. It's right. repetitive motion all day long as a high fatigue. So people, you know, they go this mindset, oh, since it's super fatigued, I have to do tons and tons and tons of reps to overcome this. Not so much. You can probably do 10 to 12 reps in a hypertrophy range, mm-hmm. but the key is in this case, taking the momentum out of the movement instead of just going straight up and straight down, bouncing off the calcaneal tendon. One thing I always preach on this one, you know, get your good foot position. When you go down, get a full stretch on the calf muscle, take the elasticity out of it, and then flex and extend through all the way to the toes. That way you're actually working the muscle and not just bouncing and moving the weight. You see, your body wants to be efficient. It wants to bounce that weight because that's what it's meant to do. It's meant to be explosive and run, but it's not stimulating the muscle for optimal growth. The same concept can apply for bench press if you're just going down, bouncing the chest off your bar, or if you're just kind of not using the full range of motion, just kind of pop, 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 pop. You know, popping the weight up and down with a dumbbell, you're not truly harnessing actual stimulating, stretching, and, and pushing that weight per se as much as you could be in a long time. Though the biggest bunch of muscle damage is done in the eccentric motion, mm-hmm. the lowering motion, the lowering portion. That's why when you see, uh, say, Ryan and I train, if you watched our training video or if we were trained chest, on the way down with the dumbbells, like I typically train like a like a tempo, yep. like on the way down, three, two, one, pause, press, three, two, one, pause, press. Because you're all the damage and a lot of it is happening on the eccentric. Take your time, stretch the muscle, keep it loaded the whole time, pause for a second, and explode through to get the muscle recruitment. That same concept applies to all muscles. If you're instead if you're just going down up, down up, down up, down up, you're not really stimulate as much muscle growth or strength as you could be. Yeah. And and keep in mind if you don't if you don't believe us, do a down up, down up, down up day and the next time do a do a like a a four, two, two, one, or whatever tempo on something, you're going to see how much more difficult it is. And that's because you're actually getting that connection. And so, so the bench press is a, is a solid um, example because on that eccentric motion, if you're doing a three, two, one, pause up, you're going to be exhausted a lot quicker uh, than you would be if you're just going up, down, up, down, up, down. And I've been training on tempo work now for, shit, man, the past 15, 16 weeks here on prep. Um, and I've seen significant improvements in muscular growth, definition, Everything is because you're actually focusing on 
you know, what you're supposed to be doing. And to, to piggyback off of that, too, I think what a lot of people, their fault is use pull-ups, for example, or even low cable rows. They're supposed to be back exercises. They're supposed to be working your back. But many people will overcompensate with their arms, especially on the low row, for instance. They will be using their arms to pull. So they'll stretch forward, stretch back, and their back actually never gets much of a workout. So on like a low cable row, make sure you retract your scapula and, and pull and hold and squeeze. Um, and again, you can do tempo work on the way back down. But keep just, just think about the muscle that you're trying to work and keep that in mind through the motion and, and ask yourself, am I actually working that fucking muscle or am I using my biceps or my triceps or something? Because then, um, obviously, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you know, it, it happens all the time, all the time on stuff. And I, I know I'm back specifically um, or leaning side lateral raises. Like a lot of people will overcompensate with arms and not actually work the muscle that you're intended to work. So slow down, drop the weight, drop your ego that's a big thing we could talk about here all day is, is ego within the gym and truly focus on that mind-muscle connection because you're going to see so much more significant improvements in your overall composition and physique uh, versus just going in there and be like, hey, guys, look at me. I can, I can bench press 315. Okay, cool. Cool. What, what is that going to do for you, Drew? Like, what is 315 going to do for you? No, that's actually 100% on point there. The other part, too, is like, uh, especially with like things like rows and stuff, you see people just jerking the weight up. Like, if, okay, here's a good example for this. If you're doing rows and you look like you're starting a fucking chainsaw, or a lawnmower, stop. Mm. That's not that's not the point of this motion, okay? Once again, I will clarify. I know a few people are going to probably say, well, I'm a power lifter. Okay, that in case you're maximum force generation. But even then, if you watch actual legitimate competition benching and squat, it has to be lowered under control, controlled the whole time. You have right. to wait for the lift signal to make it a legitimate lift. So even for those out there not focused on hypertrophy but for strength, it's the same concept. You know, I mean, I'll bet I'm, I'm sure my I think my max bench ever and I did this back in I think 2014 I don't do barbell bench press like ever if anything, I'll do some incline I did 425 for one and I weighed about 208 something like that. So right. I have a decent bench these days I use dumbbells. I sure as fuck ain't benching that weight in a competition. Right. It was, you know, it was a good lift. I controlled it, but it went down and went up. It was a legit lift. It passed for the gym. It was clean. At the same time, that's not a competition bench press. Mm -hmm. I realize that, you know, but it's a world of difference in terms of stimulating versus, you know, other, other mechanisms. Drew, how many times have people come to you and say, Drew, what's the perfect rep range? What's the perfect, um, perfect amount of sets? I mean, we get, we get you, there's, we always get this question like perfect. Now, there are recommended rep ranges and sets for hypertrophy and other things, yes. Perfect is a bit, bit of a stretch, uh, but let's first talk about hypertrophy. If you're in the gym trying to grow um, and you're not necessarily doing it for strength um, and you're not looking for potentially definition but muscular gain, it's like that 8 to 12 rep range is typically what you'd see. Yep, and that's what I recommend. Like honestly, I kind of like to sprinkle my workouts a little bit different. Once again, I, I'm a bodybuilder. At the end of the day, I do kind of mix in like some more, I guess, strength type rep ranges, along with you know some more like hypertrophy type ranges. I don't really think I ever go above say 12 reps, even then. Maybe on a burnout set, where okay, how many can you get? And you're doing some psychotic shit where you're doing your 10 rep max on leg press for a set of 20 because fuck my legs. You know, but for them generally, you know, the eight to 12 is a very good range for most people because you're going to execute the motion properly. So yeah. example, like say, um, let's walk through like say a, a chest day. For example, I like to alternate like a press with like a stretching type movement and or like an incline with a flat so on and so forth. So say you start out doing, um, you know, four working sets, mind you with a PR, but working sets, four working sets of say eight reps, an incline dumbbell press. 
Then we go over and you want to do more like a stretch. In this case, um, I like using something like, say, a wide um, hammer strength machine. It's mm -hmm. like the neutral one, but it's nice and wide. It focuses on the stretch. In that case, say, doing four working sets of 10 to 12. From that one, you're going to another pressing movement. In that case, you can do, like, say, a flat dumbbell with, like, a twist. Or if you want to do, like, say, um, an incline barbell press, if you want to do another incline. I kind of have the same stable of exercises that I rotate among, but no chest workout is exactly the same. But yeah. I use the same core movements, the same type of type things. But I kind of switch it up each week. That's what works best for me. But you keep the meat and potatoes. We have the different stimulus. So in that case, once again, you saw 8 to 12 reps is kind of the sweet spot for most things. If yeah. you're looking for pure strength development, something like a five by five program is something a good way to go. And a lot of power use that with great success. Um, there's people that specialize and make a living of, you know, giving protocols for okay, you need to lift X percentage of this week, so on and so forth to peak at a powerlifting meet. That's a different animal than the average gym goer needs. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could get Ben Kane on here. He could talk all about that powerlifting exactly. stuff. Five three one. I mean, I'm, it, it doesn't interest me, but I'm impressed as shit with it. But yeah, so I mean, if you're if you're in the rep range of say you know six to eight, roughly that's strength. Eight to twelve is hypertrophy. Twelve to fifteen is more for you know uh, um, like more definition and endurance. But um, let me when you structure your workouts, you kind of just went through like a chest day. Are you a type that likes to structure your compound movements in the beginning and then followed by more ISO movements later in the workout? Yeah, ex I exactly am actually. I don't believe, for example, if you're doing like say barbell squats or a deadlift, a heavy deadlift especially, I wouldn't recommend doing this at the end of the workout because you should start the compound lifts. I will stand behind that. Yeah. Um, for something like leg day though, like say I'm squatting, I always start with a leg curl. Um, once again, I like the, that probably nice stabilization to the knee. It gets a lot of blood in there. Contrary, a lot of people want to do uh, leg extensions. However, I like doing leg curls. If there's mm -hmm. one thing you learn from this episode, try that out on next leg day. Start with a leg curl, right leg extension, then go on to your pressing movement, whether it be leg press, squat, so on and so forth, and see how you feel. Yeah, that's not but, a bad, bad advice. Getting blood flow into your legs, which is the, the fucking large muscle in the body. You want to make sure that you, you are appropriately warmed up. Um, you, you deal with people all the time, Drew, in terms of motivation, trying to get them to the gym. That's the hardest part. So we're talking on this episode, you know, once you get to the gym, what do you do? But how do you get to the gym? First off, let me say this. Drew and I both work in the sports nutrition industry. You do not need a pre-workout to get to the gym. If you need a pre-workout to convince yourself to go to the gym, you are going for the wrong fucking reasons. So... With that said, yes, pre-workouts are cool. They can help increase performance in the gym. Not needed. But what motivates you? I think this is a good question for us, Drew. Like, what motivates you to go to the gym every single day? Well, quite frankly, you know, I just love training. Right? A lot of times also if I'm in off-season, I'm focused on getting stronger and bigger. If I'm in contest prep, I'm focused on getting as lean as possible, maintaining as much mass as possible, and fucking winning. So to me, that's what motivates me. But in general, I just like being a fucking badass at the gym. You know, it's my element. It's a good stress relief. I just love the feeling of stimulating the muscle, having that pump, having the satisfaction of just being drenched in sweats and, you know, just having, having the pump, man. I just love training. Mm -hmm. But for somebody that's not like a meathead like myself or you or just wants to be generally healthy – Think of it this way, you know, like, hey, okay, why do you want to work out? Well, I, I want to look better. You know, I want to be a little bit leaner. I want to be around for my kids when I get older. I want to look better for my, you know, my girlfriend or wife or whatever it is or, you know, on the flip side, same with, same with the ladies. You know, you want to look good for my husband. I want to be in better shape. I want to feel confident. So the key is, too, is just find something that motivates you. And the idea, whenever you're having days where you're not feeling motivated, just dig back to that. Like, why did you start? That's what you always got to remember because they're a key part here. Here's your sound bite for the day is that motivation is temporary, you know? So dedication is what you do when the motivation leaves the body. What do you stick with? What can you adhere to? Yeah, that's, that's great advice. I mean, I, I, you know, even I think us, Drew, even though we've been doing this, you know, I've been doing this 10 plus years, you've been lifting 10 plus years, I, we have our days. 
you know, where we don't necessarily want to get up and go to the gym. Like, I, I'll be fully candid on that. There are days where I'm just like, but I love it. Like, 99% of the time, like, it's, it's what I look forward to. It's my therapy. I used to be a fat fucking kid. I think, Drew, we talked about this in a previous episode. We yep. both used to be overweight. Um, it's kind of like how we found our love for the weight room. Or a lot of people will find their love for the weight room through competitive sports because it was required in high school or college. Um, you know, making healthy choices and making changes and seeing the adaptations to your body, it's, it's a powerful thing. But you really have to do it, you know, first and foremost, you should be doing it for yourself. You shouldn't be doing it for anybody else. If people are dicks and making fun of you for the way you look, like, fuck them. But at the end of the day, if you don't like what they're saying to you, well, then you need to change, you need to change it. And I'm not saying, like, it's okay to, to shame people, and we've had a whole episode on body shaming and fit shaming, too. But um, you need to be self-motivated. you got to look in the mirror, and if you don't like what you see, it's simple as fucking changing it. Get a gym membership, eat better, whatever it might be. Now... If you are a first-timer to the gym, and we may have touched on this before, there are most commercial gyms, and by most, I, I think majority of the commercial gyms should have, like, an orientation program, um, meaning, like, they will walk you through the equipment and show you how to use it appropriately. I highly recommend that because uh, uh, so many people walk into the gym, they look at a piece of machinery or equipment, and they're like, I don't know what to do, um, and then that's how they can lead to either becoming discouraged or worse, hurting themselves. So if you're at, like, a, a Lifetime Fitness, an LA Fitness, a Crunch Fitness, whatever the fuck it is, there's got to be somebody there that can walk you through and show you um, how to use things appropriately. It's It's... It also decreases the liability on that business. So I'm pretty sure, and Drew, I mean, if, unless it's a little niche or boutique bodybuilding gym or small gym, most places should have that type of program for a newcomer. <coughs> That's a double-edged sword, and I think, once again, it should be something that it should definitely be included if needed. I mean, personally, as somebody that worked at the fucking shithole that is LA Fitness, I was a GM there. It's just fucking painful. Anyway, back to the point. So when a new member shows up, you're, you're like required to schedule a new member orientation. Clearly, if you offer that to them, oh, hey, you know, like once again, give them a tour, new member orientation. You're also supposed to take them through it if they like a fitness orientation, check their body fat, their weight, take them through a workout, show them the equipment, so on and so forth. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was a lazy fuck, and I'm like, God damn it. Do I really have to do this? Most people didn't want it, but then if somebody generally wanted it, I was all for it. I would love showing people how to use it. The same time is more like annoying because like I mean if I go to a gym and like they insist on set, oh when's like your fitness assessment I'm like bro I'm pretty sure you're gonna be asking me for advice like are you fucking serious right now but I get that same time people sometimes they just they need to they need a refresher course right. so in case if they want it I think that should be something that a gym would offer when they sign up and of course having somebody knowledgeable walk them through like hey okay. Um, what, what would you like to target? What would you like to work on? Okay. Um, you know, show them the machine, so on and so forth. Give them that. The downside with this happens to a lot of times at gyms like say LA fitness. So yes, I'm calling them out is a lot of times they use this as an upsell technique as well to try to pitch personal training. Wow. Did you really like the workout we had today? You know what? If you're interested in more workouts, I'm going to take over your personal trainers. You're trying to sell them something out there. They bought something and it's kind of like, you know, that's the salesman in you. You're like, fuck, all right. right. I mean, you feel annoying even having to pitch this, right. you know, but if intentions are good and I think then that should be something that they include And LA fitness to their credit does do that. They encourage them to do a fitness assessment and orientation for new members if they want it, you know? Right. Um, I think it's, it's good. I mean, yeah, if you, if you have no clue, you can do it. You can YouTube stuff too, but the only problem, sometimes you pick up bad habits. You can pick up bad habits from a personal trainer. <laughs> you can pick up bad habits from a personal trainer at LA fitness who to drew has mentioned this several times who needs a personal trainer. Um, so, um, the last part here is we, as we talk about the end of the episode here and, we, and going back into the gym and how to keep things uh, progressing forward is I want to talk about this concept of progressive over, overload a little bit because I think a lot of people don't necessarily know what that means or they think to achieve progressive overload, your only option is to add weight. Well, that's, that's not true. Um, 
there are multiple facets within a workout program that you can change to um, put progressive overload on it. The first one would be obvious, the obvious, adding weight. I mean, if you are doing four sets of 10 of 135 on bench press and you do that consistently for a year, you're not going to fucking improve. You are going to stay exactly where you are because the muscle will not adapt to any new added stimulus to it. It's, it, it's what we call a plateau, and people hit plateaus all the time, all the fucking time. And if they're stuck on a plateau and they can't seem to add weight and go, they think they're fucked. Well, um, you know, like I said, Add weight, and the weight doesn't have to be a big jump. So I think a lot of people make the common mistake, like they need to add tens on each side. You can add the two and a half pound plates. Who gives a shit? Like, add weight. Anything that you do above what you previously done is added stimulus, and it's going to help your. It's going to help you jump over plateaus, become stronger. Um, that is the the obvious one. And, and I don't know, Drew. Like you and I don't lift for strength, but I still like to add weight here and there. When I've been doing something long enough, and be like, you know what? Let's let's try to add five pounds and see if we can make that my new norm. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> here's the thing, people that get in this one set mind, I mean, sir, somebody's going to fucking debate about definition here. But a lot of times when people think progressive overload, as you said, they think it just as a matter of weight. I like to go with a route of, you know, always just increase the amount of stimulus or change the muscle stimulus. That can be a different variety of things. Right. One, yes, you could do the same rep range. Okay, say I'm doing four sets of eight. I'd like to increase the weight. That's adding stimulus to the muscle. <laughs> or if you're saying, okay, I'm doing three sets of eight now in order to add stimulus i'm gonna do four sets of eight you can change the amount of reps you're doing or you could do change the rep range entire say okay i'm going four sets of 10 this week next week i'm gonna do four sets of eight both heavier weight or you know say just change up that on our part even within the lift you could do the same weight with the same rep range but change the tempo i guarantee you it's a world difference between on say four sets of eight doing a three second eccentric lowering movement Whereas the next week doing that, the way you've normally done. There's different things within that that can make it different. Even if you, okay, here's the matter, a curveball. Same weight, same rep range, same tempo, less rest, period. Yeah. There's tons of different things you can do to add stimulus to challenge the body to be, you know, work even harder. You don't have to constantly add weight. You don't have to constantly switch everything up. But there's little different things that constantly push the body. The key is preventing doing the exact same thing, mm-hmm. the same weight, the same rep range, in the in, in, same tempo. You don't need a drastic overhaul, but even those little tweaks can make a world of difference. Yeah, I think I think the obvious one is obviously to add weight. The second obvious one would be to change the rep range. But the two that I like better than both of those two are the ones that people don't do very often, tempo and rest periods, because it requires timing. There's no, you know, a rep range is a number that you, you count. When you do reps, you're always counting in your head, one, two, whatever it might be. Weights you can actually physically see and, and have to get up and pick them. But doing tempo work is massive. And I think... This concept of rest period is, is, has become – it's lost, and it's lost because of these $1,200 fucking personal computers that we carry around with us in our pockets to the gym, making sure the entire Instagram world knows that we're at the gym that day doing something or at least pretending that we're doing something. How many – and we, uh, I am also guilty of this. I also run a business that requires me to post via fitness stuff, but at the same time, like, you're done doing a, a set of eight or, or, or you know, eight reps – and then you pick up your phone, you scroll through Facebook, you scroll through Instagram. Next thing you know, it's three and a half minutes later, and you're like, oh, shit, I have another set to do. You know, you are not putting progressive overload on the system at that point, but you just allowed yourself three and a half minutes to rest and recover when you should be keeping your rest periods to about 90 seconds or less, most likely. 120 seconds or 150 seconds, maybe on leg day, um, some, of, some of the bigger muscle groups. But when you're sitting there and then you're inconsistent, most people are inconsistent. Like one time they'll, they'll rest for three minutes. Next time they'll walk around, talk to John Smith, and then check Instagram. That's five minutes later. I think the people listening to this is just be a little bit more cognizant of, of your rest periods because you're not at the gym to socialize. You're not there to 
swipe right and date or whatever the fuck it is that you do. You're there. You should be there to do work and put the work in. And all your cell phone does to you is it distracts you from the mission that you're trying to accomplish. And why even be there? If, you just wanna, if you're using the gym as an escape to Instagram and Facebook, you know, go to the bathroom four more times a day. I don't care. But like, you're not only doing yourself a disservice, you're doing a disservice to those around you because then you're sitting on a fucking piece of equipment that somebody like Drew and I might want to get on. And we've been watching you for the last 10 minutes scroll through Instagram. Um, so and here's the thing. And Guy Sisterino said it. Drew has said it before. Put your cell phone in your fucking bag. Just put it in your bag. If you feel the, necess- the, the need to record your shit for your own personal use, that's fine. If you feel the need to record your shit to post to Instagram, that's fine. But post the shit afterwards. Don't sit there and take time during your lift to constantly post and hashtag and caption the videos. You can go to lunch after or whatever it is and spend the next hour when you're out of the gym doing that kind of shit. That's exactly. It's in the nail on the head. That's the thing, too. Like, you know, I turn on my music. I hate getting on my phone during my training. Once in a while, you know, it's like, okay, I, I need to send a quick text or something like that. Okay, fine. But, like, even then, I'm not a big fan of it. It breaks the flow of my workout. Mm-hmm. I hate to change a song that's different. Sometimes you're like, fuck, okay, I'm just not feeling this music. That is kind of a frustrating one. I hate it when it happens. But generally, I pick a Pandora station and I put my phone down. I'm like, all right, fuck it. And in between, if I need to check something quick, sure. But even then, I'm like... I'm like half looking at my phone, but I'm more focused on the workout, you know, because I find if I spend too much time, I get out of flow, I get out of rhythm. I'm like, God damn it, you know, so that's a key. Just try put on Pandora or whatever your music station is. Put your phone in your bag and just see how your workout goes. We're not distracted. Yeah, I I would challenge anybody listening. It's like put your phone in your locker or if you use it for music, put it on like a table somewhere. If you trust people at your gym and work out one time with it, do a leg day without checking your phone. You will see a a drastic change in how effective that workout is, how much you enjoy that workout. Versus being on your phone. And again, I'm not trying to be a hypocrite. I conduct business while I'm at the gym. Sometimes I do my best work. I have the best ideas at the gym. But at the same time, like I know when and where to pick up my phone. I don't want to be that guy sitting on the edge of a bench press, texting people, responding to emails, when I know there are other people there trying to do the same thing. And that brings me back to like the rest periods. If you don't currently keep track of your rest periods, a lot of people don't. Like I, I do it because it's part of my program. I don't, I don't like set a stopwatch or anything like that. But I, you can kind of gauge it. You know when you've, you've rested for too long. Start to be cognizant of that and um, decrease the rest periods. Or, I mean, you could add a superset in, too. That's another way to obviously add some stimulus to, to your system. But there are multiple ways to achieve muscular hypertrophy, to break through plateaus, to have effective workouts in the gym. You just need to want to do that. And I think if you want to do those things, you're going to find the ways to do it. You can take the advice that Drew and I just gave you on this episode. You can watch motivational videos, whatever it might be. But um, all I know is this, that Ronnie Coleman, probably the greatest bodybuilder of all time, he would have never brought a phone with him in the gym. And he would have, I mean, he, I don't, I don't know if Ronnie Coleman worked out a hundred times out of a hundred times, I bet you he maybe had two days where he felt off or two days where it wasn't, he didn't want to get shit done. If that, um, and that's why he's the best bodybuilder in the history, in my opinion. So, um, my advice, the takeaway here is just, you have to want it. And if you want it bad enough, you'll get it. Yep. That's a hundred percent it. I mean, I think we're out of time, but uh, real quick, Ryan, how about this? I think we can end with some helpful ending advice here. What do you do on days where you don't feel like training? What do you get? What do you do to get in the zone? What do I do to get in the zone? Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll listen to like a motivational. I'm a huge Dwayne the Rock Johnson guy. I will put on some motivational thing, or um, you know, any given Sunday, the fucking uh, is Al Pacino in there. The speech he gives during halftime that gets the people going. You have three minutes until the rest of your lives. I will listen to this. It's cheesy as shit, but sometimes that shit gets me going, um, or just a good song too gets me gets me going. Yeah, music's where I usually go. I mean, some days, I mean, let's be real, especially if you're going to find out, young man, you're in this contest prep. 
when you when you're in prep, I'm not scaring people away from competing, but the one thing you love doing training when you're in prep after a while, you don't even fucking want to go to the gym. You're just so all you want to do is get your fuck get it over with, lay down, sleep, get your meals in. It's just like the one thing you love to do. You're just so burnt out. I mean, as you get like five weeks out or so, honestly, the key I said here before, typically the worse you feel, the better you look to a very large degree is a very true adage. When your body fat gets that low. Training's tough, man. You're low on energy. You're low on glycogen. You're not getting a lot of calories. You're focusing on maintaining. At that point, man, you know workouts are going to suck. You're going to have to get through it. In that case, you dig deep. You say, hey, the goal here is to look the best I possibly can on stage. Is this the difference between winning the show and getting second? You know, because I'm pushing harder than another guy. That could be it. That's where I go. You know, if I'm in off season, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to be outworked. I want, I want to improve. You know, and then off season obviously a lot easier because you know you have more calories, but. It's just what's your motivation? Dig in. A lot of times you said, I go to the song. Sometimes it sucks. Like nothing seems to hit right, if that makes sense. I'm not yeah. for the music that day. Some days you even take a really good pre. You're like, man, I'm just feeling tired. And so those days happen. My best advice on those days, if nothing's working, you know, man, the music's not good. My weight's not go fucking moving like it should. I feel tired. I'm not focused. In that case, the, the old adage is a, a bad workout where you got in and you got it done is still better than not doing the workout. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And uh, for me, the added element of that we're filming this whole entire thing for a documentary and I don't want to show up and look like a fucking piece of shit uh, drives me, drives me to make sure that I bring my best A game uh, when I head to Chicago in, in 12 weeks, I guess, at this point. So if you like what you heard here on the podcast, hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, watching via YouTube. Uh, the Iron Jungle podcast over on Facebook as well, at Vanilla Gorilla Drew, at Fitness Informant on Instagram. Shoot us with topics, questions. Uh, Drew does a Q&A all the time. We do a Q&A all the time. We get a shit ton of questions. We appreciate everybody's uh, everybody who has reached out and uh, gave us kudos on the podcast. We're going to keep this thing going. Until next week, it is the... Uh, I, I, I wish I could call you the OG Vanilla Gorilla, but at least you're Vanilla Gorilla Drew. It rolls off the tongue. So, uh, But people now, if you add Vanilla Gorilla post-Drew, you can't do it. It's Drew's thing. Drew owns it at this point. Is, is, yep. there, any, is there anybody else with, with the name that you even know of at this point? Uh, not that's relevant. Yeah, that's not... <laughs> not that's fucking relevant. Let's go.